0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is Episode 3 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com, matching people with portfolios. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of Horse Radio Network. Today we have Charlotte Bradal, Olympic bronze medalist in dressage, and Joe Camp, producer of the Benji movies and author of The Soul of a Horse. They are here to give us their views on Horsemanship today. Thank you for supporting our sponsors that make this show possible. This is Debbie Lauks and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. I have my producer, Glenn the Geek, here with me today. Hey. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Welcome back, everybody. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and 30th of the month. Glenn, can you tell us all the ways that the listeners can find the shows? Yeah, sure. Um, We're
0: still waiting at this point for Horsemanship Radio. It's been submitted for the app, the Horse Radio Network app, so you'll be able to listen to it on iOS or Android phones or your iPad uh, through the application. That's actually the best way to listen to the Horse Radio Network shows. You just go to the App Store, either iOS or Android, and search for Horse Radio Network, and you'll see Horsemanship Radio on there very soon. So it'll be on the app here very shortly. We'll let you know. Probably by the next episode, you'll be on there, Debbie. And, of course, you can always listen to the show by going to horsemanshipradio.com or horseradionetwork.com, either one, and you can listen to the show on uh, on your computer. And a lot of people use iTunes for things, and you just go to the podcast section of iTunes and search for Horsemanship Radio, and it is on there as well. You can subscribe there. So there's a lot of different ways to listen to our shows here on the Horse Radio Network. And I have to tell you, Debbie, we got some response to the first uh, real episode that we did here, and you, uh, people are loving it.
1: Good. Is that right? Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: People are loving it. I think there was a real gap missing in our program here at the Horse Radio Network uh, with horsemanship, uh, with training issues and natural horsemanship. And I think that uh, you're here to fill that. And so far, the response has been very good.
1: Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Keep them coming, guys. Tell your friends. But today, we're going to have a, a great show. Today, we have two people on the show that love their horses. Um, yet, you know, they're like polar opposites on their daily routines with horses. They couldn't be much farther apart. So this is what makes horsemanship so interesting, Glenn. That's what I love about this show. Joe Camp is a lot like us, um, you know, he's one of those giddy-up-and-go guys. He, he's on a quest to become a more responsible owner of, of his horses and wants us to be too because we love our horses. So uh, we'll, we'll hear more about Charlotte Berdahl. But after this, from our Index Fund Advisors. Hi, I'm Mark
2: Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the risk capacity survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133.
1: Charlotte Bradal has trained many horses to the top level of dressage. In 1992, she was part of the bronze medal-winning U.S. team at the Barcelona Olympics, riding Monsieur. In 1997, she was on the silver medal-winning U.S. team to the North American championship riding Lugano. Charlotte's trained both horses from the start, and she's been a selector for both the Hong Kong and London Olympics. Presently, she's competing at Grand Prix with Strauss. For the past 25 years, Charlotte has also pursued a judge's career. And for the past four years, she's been an international judge. This year, she'll be helping uh, be a judge at the international events in Australia, Japan, France, and Denmark. Charlotte Berdahl, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Debbie? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, You are the consummate horseman, in my mind, uh, because, you know, we can say human, so I guess we can say horsemen. We can say horsemanship. We don't have to call it horsewomanship. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, this is Horsemanship Radio, and I'm really excited that we have you today because there are so many elements of horsemanship that your life is involved in. Um, I know that you started your life in Denmark. How did you make the transition from Denmark uh, to the U.S. in horsemanship? Yeah. Um, when I grew up in Denmark,
3: I always knew that I was going to move somewhere warm because I don't like the cold very much.
1: Mm. So.
0: Uh, and
3: <laughs> When I had the opportunity uh, to come over to California, it was uh pretty much just with suitcase in hand and a good friend that lived over here that said, "Come on over and uh, so I just came over and uh, started knocking on doors to get a job with horses and uh, And I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to get a job at an equestrian center down in l a and at that time, it was the equestrian center. In, in Los Angeles called Bell Canyon Equestrian Center. Ah, uh, yes, and, yes. Uh, I knocked on their door, and they said, sure, you can work, but um, we can't pay
1: you. And I said, okay. I'll oh. And,
3: and so I started working, you know, 12-hour days on a regular basis, and uh, pretty soon they started paying me.
1: That's nice, yeah. You must have gotten <laughs> uh, really skinny. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just worked uh,
3: basically as a groom, and... Uh, Eventually, they discovered that I could ride, and uh, then I started riding about 10 horses a day.
2: <laughs> mm.
3: Goodness. And, uh, eventually, I ended up running the place, and it was a big place with 110 horses. So I learned a lot in a very short time.
1: But you came here with a lot of horsemanship knowledge, too. I remember you telling me before that um, that you did um, lots of different disciplines in Denmark. I, I remember you talking I about... Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, talk, I did uh, I, I basically I started uh writing when I was about nine years old and uh, uh started mm. cleaning stalls in exchange for writing lessons at that time and um and then did that for a while and then when I was about uh, twelve I think we moved to a small island because my dad got the job as a sheriff there. <laughs>
4: mm,
3: yeah. And um and then I just started knocking on all the farmers' doors and just started writing anything that I could could get on and uh, so I rode every single day and and, uh, quite a few horses
1: this is your modus operandi, this knocking on doors thing, huh? Yeah, <laughs> at that time it was. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> well, no, not anymore at all. We, we heard your bio. We know what you, you have accomplished now. So so you have always felt that it, it just takes work. It takes elbow grease to stay in the business and to be good in the business. Is that right?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and, and riding, riding, riding. And then the horses have taught me more than any person. Ever mm-hmm. taught me, you know, because every single horse will teach you something if you if you listen, and um, yeah. And so I did the riding, and I got into jumping. I got into a little dressage, and uh, also had a had a job at a farm where they had trotters. Mm-hmm. So I learned to drive trotters, and actually got a license to drive on the track for one season. Right. when I was eighteen, just before
1: I moved over here. Right. So, yeah,
3: I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs>
1: That's good. I mean, your horse knowledge must be as deep as as canyons. I can't imagine. You know, we did recently a a clinic with you. We put you and Monty in a clinic we called Gentle and Elegant, which was the dressage side and how it crossed over uh, with the the Western riding side. And uh, Dad was in his short little quarter horse and you were in your big, tall dressage horse, your warm blood. Tell me, when did you decide... I know that Sweden, Denmark, all the Scandinavian... They always profess to be completely natural or completely gentle. But did you see, even in your youth, that there was more to learn?
3: Oh, I think there's always more to learn. I still feel like I have, have lots to learn. And I think the horses still... You know, they teach me something new every day. Every horse does. And, uh, and I'm also... You know involved with different breeds, and uh, I think my motto is to set the horse up for success. I think that's sort of my philosophy in in everything that I do with the horses and uh, and certainly Monty has taught me you know different ways of doing that uh, outside of the the everyday training and uh, I think it was great to do the clinic with Monty where we could really exchange a lot of a lot of ideas. And of course, over the years, we have uh, we have worked together quite quite a bit. And I think he's been great. He's just a real problem solver. When I've had certain issues with with horses, sort of behavior type of
1: issues, he's been a he's been a great source of help. Mm. Well, you're a good student and a good mentor too. I I know that one of the things that you um, Advocate. not only are you a, a great rider, a great uh, competitor, but you're also now judging too, which is um, quite an honor in, in the industry of dressage. A lot of people think that dressage um, is very regimented and maybe even a little harsh on the horse, but um, I know for a fact that you're one of the most passive people um, in the in the training, in the starting of a horse, my goodness, when does a horse flower in dressage? When do they really come into their own? When do you start them and when do they come into their own?
3: Well, I think if you do it correctly and uh, step by step uh, like you're supposed to and really listen to the horses and when they're ready to do, to do what. And um, I think the, they can get to the highest level at the earliest when they're nine, really, if you do yeah. it right.
1: That's Where, amazing.
3: You know, the body is ready for all the yeah. the really difficult stuff. And then it's not too hard on him because it's done really systematic and, mm-hmm. and with respect for the horse all the way. But yeah. uh, certainly some people will try to do it much quicker and then that doesn't work out so good. And I think that's one of my responsibilities as a judge is to reward, always reward harmony and not reward a horse that's, you know, too tight or... Or too uh, anxious or nervous, mm-hmm. and you know, with a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. So, actually, as a judge, you can influence where the sport goes quite a lot. Oh, and very I think that's good a big responsibility that I take very seriously.
1: I love that. That's that's great. Yeah, good statement. Tell me about. I I know some of the people in our audience know about your Olympic, but um, Olympic. Um, Uh, accomplishments but how did riding in the olympics change your life
3: oh boy it changed it on so many levels and it still changes i mean it still makes a difference actually um i think most people understand at least to some degree how much uh, discipline and hard work it takes to make it to the olympics in any sport and i think most people really respect that and uh, and it it tells people something about your character mm-hmm. and because of that i think it opens up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities and it also comes with the responsibility of, of trying to be a a good role model for up-and-coming riders and um, trying to make a difference for as many horses as you possibly can in the training methods
1: mm-hmm. yeah the um The consummate uh, award to, I know, Joel, your husband, uh, was that... at least he, he said that to me was getting that award from the Queen at the Guards Polo uh, in England in 2012. We all met over there at uh, and met the Queen and and did our curtsy. And you look lovely. We're going to put the photo up on the website so that we can show that you were there. You're in yeah. beautiful yellow. Yeah. But how did how did the meeting of the Queen and and that whole award ceremony? How did that affect you? I know how it affected most of us, but how did it affect well, you? Well,
3: I mean, it was it was. incredible experience uh, for sure Uh, but I think more than anything um, I think it's just great to see that someone with as much uh, influence as the queen uses her influence to to try to change the lives for for horses worldwide Mm -hmm. and I think that's just you know, fantastic, and I think um, that's something that I always want to keep in mind. And I think that's something that every trainer should keep in mind that we all have a real, you know, huge responsibility to the horses to try to to influence how the horses are treated in their training in every discipline. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think one discipline is necessarily more harsh than another, but within every discipline, there there are very bad trainers and very good trainers mm, it yeah, doesn't that's right have much to do with the discipline in my opinion so so i think mm. that that was sort of the biggest thing i took away from that was just to just think about how much we can all influence mm-hmm. how the horses
1: are treated mm-hmm. yeah so y- y- you're um if you had to define natural horsemanship what what would you what do you think of these days honestly i'm not
3: really sure i just to me it's just all about uh, doing everything in a compassionate uh, systematic way so that the horses always understand what you're telling them and, and the training is always fair and the mm-hmm. goal is always to have a great partnership with your horse
1: yeah, good. I, I, I can't wait for people to see you on Monty's Equus Online University because the lessons that you put up there, um, I think they say it all. They they really do. And I know that you, you also mentor youth, so it's not just the, uh, the warm bloods that you're mentoring out there yes. or, or, or other other students. What? Tell me a little bit about that, how that's in your um, life.
3: Yeah, some years ago, maybe 15 years ago, um, Joel and I took in uh, a foster son uh, when he was about nine years old and then a few years later we took in another foster son and then I got contacted by a local church program who has a mentoring program and uh, because they'd heard we'd taken in foster kids they thought we should take in some more kids to mentor. (laughs) (laughs) And and I ended up uh, committing to mentoring three kids all at the Mm. same time and at that time they were uh two of them were six and one was eight and um, mm. I've not been mentoring them for 12 years <laughs> so my goodness 19 and 20 and doing doing well unfortunately for me none of them went to horses so that's just mm-hmm. how it worked out but uh, it's still been been great to to just help them in general in their mm-hmm. in their life because of so many of, this, of the you know, the life lessons are the same, whether you're with horses or not.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. Hard work and discipline, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently, this year, I took in a nine-year-old through the same program, and he's the mm-hmm. first one that is totally horse crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, right. so that is just really, really, really fun to be able to share all the things that we have here as far as our lifestyle with the horses and animals in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been just a real reward for me to to be able to share that, and I have a wonderful little Palomino quarter horse that is a great great schoolmaster for, for this nine year old. So so that's really really fun, and I'm sure he's going to go very far because he'll have all the opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> to learn. right. You do have a beautiful place there, a beautiful, historic place. It must be hard to leave. What do you got coming up? What's your schedule like now going into the season?
3: Um, I leave on um, Monday. I leave to go to Denmark, where I'm judging a big World Cup uh, qualifier. And I'll also get to visit family. And then I go directly from that. I go to Japan for the first time, and I'll be judging a big international show there. And Great. then I come home for for a week and a little over a week and then I'm judging the US finals in Kentucky.
1: Oh. So it's the first time
3: we're ever having a, a US dressage finals where everybody comes head to head. So that's gonna be interesting. Exciting. And Then yes. after that I'm home and then I'll be back riding in full gear again, my regular five mm-hmm. horses a
1: day. Oh my goodness. Have you ridden already today? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 All yeah. done. That's- yeah, all done. Yeah. good. Every well, morning. thank you so much. Yeah, you do. I know you're just amazing. I want to have you back. I would love to talk to you more about um, how you stay in shape and how you uh, you cross train and do some of the things that you ask your horses to do as well <laughs> to stay in shape. Uh, but for today, I really appreciate you coming and and honoring us with uh, such a storied career and uh, giving us a little more insight on your horsemanship. Okay, thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you. We'll get to our interview with Joe Camp after this thank you to our sponsor, Equus Online University.
2: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from Join Up to Advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too.
1: Joe Camp, film writer, producer, director, author, passionate speaker, and the man behind the canine superstar, Benji. He wrote the best-selling book, The Soul of a Horse, in 2008. Camp has written, produced, and directed seven theatrical motion pictures, including all of the Benji movies, cumulatively grossing well over the equivalent of $600 million in today's dollars. He's one of the most successful independent filmmakers of all time. Welcome, Joe Camp. Welcome to the show, Joe.
4: Hey, how are you doing, Debbie? Good to see you, hear you, actually.
1: (laughs) That's right, that's right. We're on the radio. This is exciting to have you on our Horsemanship Radio. So many people know you as uh, the author of The Soul of a Horse, and this is a real horse-oriented audience that we have. But I know that um, from the bio that we introduced you with, people will now know that you are also um, a premier uh, director and producer of self-made films and, and the bingey, the Benji, the little critter that changed the world, I think in animal movies.
4: Yeah. It's pretty incredible to, to be able to drop down on a street corner, virtually anywhere in the free world and say one word and see eyes light up with this so much oh. love and affection. It
1: mm-hmm. keeps
4: me ever aware that it has been a worthwhile trip.
1: Definitely a life, a life changer for everybody. The Bingey movies. Um, I'd like to just focus on the horses today, but if you bring out some of the things that overlap between carnivores and flight animals, feel free to kick in there with it because I know that most we, people... We
4: overlap with them. I know that.
1: Yeah. Oh, your family. Yeah, that's Which, true.
4: Not always in the nicest way either. So.
1: Oh, well, you, you do have quite a few critters there. How many critters do you have now in on your farm in Tennessee? Uh,
4: we have eight horses. Six chickens, five dogs, one cat, and two kids when they're not in college. (laughs)
1: That's right. And you and your wife, Kathleen, now have made the move from Southern California to Tennessee. Bell Buckle.
4: Indeed.
1: Yeah. Happy?
4: Happy campers, too. It's good. It's really nice over here.
1: I'm glad. I'm glad. You've really settled in. Your life changed quite a bit when uh, Kathleen bought your first horses to fill up that... uh, that barn that was just sitting there. Would you have a couple of stalls down there just calling to you?
4: Yeah, they were outside stalls in California, and, and actually, it's your fault or you know Marty's fault—the <laughs> whole <laughs> thing. Because we'd we'd sit out there on the porch and look down at those stalls, and the sun would set over behind the ridge behind the stalls, and we'd be saying, "You know, wouldn't it be nice if there were a couple of horses wandering around in those stalls down there?" Uh-huh pretty postcard at sunset, And, and so after weeks and weeks of this, I guess, you know, she drug me out of bed one morning. It was the morning of my birthday, and I did recognize that and say, what's going on? And she said, just get in the car. And so she drove me down the hill. We were in a little place called Valley Center in San Diego County. Drove me down the hill to this park, and we drove into the park, and there was this big horse trailer with three horses ready to go, saddled up, tied to the to the trailer. And I said, What 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 what? She said, You've been saying for some time, you know, in addition to stalls and horses, that you maybe we should take a trail ride sometime and, and just get to know some horses. And today's the day. Happy birthday. Hmm. So we took this six hour trail ride and three weeks later we owned three horses. <laughs> <laughs> and I can promise you that a couple of empty stalls and a, and a six-hour trail ride is not a good reason to to go out and buy three horses. But uh, when we were many... when we were visiting uh, Boot Barn to you know do the obligatory trip to get all the stuff that we were going to need when these horses came to us, Kathleen picked up a I think it was a California Trail uh California Trader uh,
1: yeah that's it
4: magazine newspaper thing there was a big article on Monty in it. And she read it to us over lunch. We went next door uh or close to next door from this boot barn, and the kids were sitting there eating uh in and outs actually <laughs> and uh I do miss that about california <laughs> but the uh the she was reading this this uh, whole story on money and join up and all of that and so I went straight home and ordered the uh the first book and the uh join up dvd mm-hmm. uh, which came before cash and the other two first two horses uh-huh. came and so the first thing i did when we, when we when the first three horses came i took cash who's my boy and the cover boy on so of a horse and mm-hmm. uh took him down to the round pen that we had created and uh uh, did a join up with him, yeah. and when he, you know, I, I won't go into. It. I know somebody has on this show at one time or another. Or they can go to your website. Know you know what, you know how join up actually operates. But mm-hmm. I, I did this join up with him. There comes a time when you quit acting like a predator and start, you know, being submissive and turn your back and and you leave the choice to the horse, which this was all way too psychologically complex for me at that time because we didn't know zip mm-hmm. about horses and we had no horses and no clue. And yeah. and so when I turned my back on him and lowered my head and shoulders and all and he walked up behind me and touched me on his shoulder and blew in my ear, I just broke down and cried.
1: Yeah. And
4: that's that moment Caused by your family <laughs> uh, <laughs> is what is what sent us off in the directions that we went because I suddenly was no longer a horse owner. I'd been a horse owner for a day. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm. You know, you keep looking for words that everybody does. You know, what is it? A partner of, of friend, uh, this or that. And I think uh, in uh, uh, Hildalgo, the first line of the movie is when he wakes up in the, the camp and the horse is down sipping water out of the pond or the lake thereby and he says, come on little brother, it's time to go. Oh. And that struck me from the moment I saw that movie he said, that's what it is. It's the brother. It's a little, little, brother. little brother. And he's my little brother. And so that's that's the closest I've ever got to describing what it's been like. But I promised him on that day that I would give him the best life he could possibly have. Mm. And the problem with that was that I didn't know what that was because I had Aww. no clue. And that's what started the research and started the digging and started everything. And it started the journey that became The Soul of a Horse, yeah. the book, The Soul a great of a Horse. Book. Because that is, that's where, uh um, you know, somewhere about halfway through that that uh, that part of the journey, which of course we've now found is never ending because you're always mm-hmm. learning. But mm-hmm. but somewhere around the middle part about this, you know, we're looking at each other saying, are we nuts? I mean, there's mm-hmm. something grossly wrong here with what everybody's telling us mm-hmm. and what seems to make sense from the research that we were doing and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to you know either we are completely crazy or we're missing something and Mm -hmm. you know it turns out we weren't crazy at least clinically speaking (laughs) it's that we were finding our way stumbling our way to what a horse's genetics call for in the way that Mm -hmm. they live you know a, a horse you know we ultimately wound up out in the wild with the wild horses, and I'm asking the questions all the time, you know, hey, you know, these guys out here have been doing quite well for, it turns out, 52 million years evolving in the West and, 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 and building and developing the genetic system that they have and And I was being told I forget that you know the wild horses and the domestic horses are no longer even the same species we've mm-hmm. you know we've bred the wild horse right out of you know those horses yeah. we've bred the feet right off of them. that's why the domestic horses have to have shoes and all of this mm-hmm. and you know what what it turns out because I finally aborted because I couldn't find the answers in the horse world and I joined a a, a scientific Academy, and mm. so I could get to their archives, and finally went in there and found out, you know, what it would take for, you know, just even to barely begin to change the basic genetics, uh, and of any species, it would take minimum five thousand years, more likely ten to fifteen thousand years, depending upon the circumstances. Mm. And then I stumbled onto the this whole thing that you've probably. Read about, but the you know the, the horses that were found in the Alaskan permafrost that are dated somewhere between 12 and 28 thousand years ago, and they ran DNA sequencing on on them, and they're less than 1.2 percent difference than the horses that are right out there in our pasture today, and that means that a domestic horse. Has exactly the same genetics could be turned loose in the wild at any time and will do just fine because it's built in and anybody who you know who doubts that, come look at our horses' feet, which have for eight years now have had no shoes on them. Come look at us any foal, any foal that hits the ground, they hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally within an hour, they're on their feet, they're thinking, they're eating, it's and they're playing by two or three hours. And there's a reason for that, because Mother Nature and God has said, you know, we've got to protect this baby from a predator. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's got to be on it. It's not like, you know, how long does it take humans to be on their feet and able to travel 8 to 20 miles a day? That baby can do it the second day of its life. Yeah. And, not my kids
1: yeah my yeah. my kids didn't jump in there right away at all No,
4: it's, <laughs> no. It, and even dogs you know puppies and that's right what You know their eyes are still closed for what you know two or three weeks that's and right. and but no in the, in the case of this prey animal that baby's got to be up know what's going on and and ready to go and then he's Ready to go with the you know with the herd inside of four or five hours, and right. by the second day literally could travel twenty miles with that herd if he needs to yep. and or, or if she needs to in my case recently yeah that's <laughs> right yes but, you feel but so, so that so that that's what really you know began to bring it all together that this is you know and what it, what i've come down to is is literally any question that I ask, well, what about this, and what about that? I change it to what would he be doing for himself if he were out in the wild? Yeah. And then yeah. I try to mimic it the best way we can. This is and, what makes your
1: blog, Joe, your blog is so interesting. I hope that people will jump on your website, uh, com, and get on your blog because I love the fact that you come at this from the scientific uh, and and the and the average Joe, you're the average Joe in that you um, acquired horses later in life and just want to learn everything about them. You're the person we want to be to our horses in that we want to continue to learn more and, and educate ourselves. I love what you have on your website about myth number one. Um, can you tell us a little bit? I love it. It's good.
4: But it, that is well i've got a whole list of them sitting right here in front of me. There's oh, about good. eight that I want to do, and i and I haven't gotten back to it. I keep Kathleen says diversion is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> i just, I start th- going down this road, and I can't ever get back to the intersection of where I was. But you myth number through. one is is and I've been told this I mean this is where it comes i mean in the very beginning. When I started saying, you know what, we're this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, we're going to get these horses out of the stall. We're going to let them get out and move. And come to find out that movement is is 99% of it because a horse in the wild will move eight to twenty miles a day, literally, looking for food and water and staying away from predators and all the stuff that they do. And over the years, their entire body, all their systems depend. On that movement, their digestion depends on it their the, the the health of the feet depend on it the the health of their immune system depend on it their their hind gut depends on it, and they're eating you know eighteen to twenty hours a day but so you know as we began to evolve into this and get say this is what we're going to we're going to do it. how do we do it how do we how do we get our horses out? And, you know we're in southern California and Kind of the high right. desert. I mean, the kind of country that the horse grew up in. Uh, thankfully, because it made it a little easier when we when we got going with this. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna start putting them out twenty four seven. And and I had people say, oh oh, I could never do that. I said, well, why is that? I said, well, I'd never see him again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
4: I, I'm I'm saying what? And she said, no, I I could never do that because I I you know I couldn't catch him. I said catch him. Catch him? Why would you want to catch him? And she said, "Well, how can I ride him if I can't catch him?" And well, you know, I didn't really understand that because we grew up with ours at liberty, right. coming so, to us by by call by name, right. and and they do. You know, till this good day. You know, I can call any one of them. You know, one of the neatest videos we got on Soul of a Horse channel, I think, is, and it's actually used in the in the book trailer for the the uh, uh, this uh, next book that's coming out this week, actually, uh, Born Wild, the Soul of a Horse, and the uh, you know the whole concept that we almost never use a halter and a lead rope no matter what we're doing we just call them and say come on walk with me I want to go over here and they do and we go here we go there and we do our thing call them down when it's time to come down and eat or whatever and they come off and running in a herd which is a little scary when you see all that coming at you but that's well, that's, that's that's the concept and when we came when we came over here you know cuz you you've got to sort them out and we do Feed in the morning and evening, but it's primarily just for supplements. You know, it's, it's a it's a base that we use for uh, just putting our supplements on and so forth. And 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 it's fo- kind of a forced indoctrination of, of spending, you know, two three hours with the horses every day mm-hmm. with them doing stuff. Yeah. You know, and, We're and most of the tr- most of the training yeah. that we do now, you know, the movement and training and you know, go here, go there, do this, do that. Uh, is all done during that time when we're spending that time down there with them. But to you know to actually put the feed the food down, you got to take into consideration you know where they are in the pecking order of the herd, and who eats fastest and who eats slowest and That's all this right. so that you don't have because we don't have any stalls. We don't own mm-hmm. a stall. You know, but we have a hundred year old barn that had some ten by ten really. It's gross, dark, no windows, nothing. Oh, stuff. I Somebody see. Somebody wants to oh. use for something, but uh, it uh, you know. So we we've got to figure out how to do it, and then to pull out a halter and a lead rope. Say, okay, you're gonna have to come over here and get behind this panel, and you got to go over here and do this. Became just it was just kind of a pain in the rear, actually, and I'm lazy, so. Yeah, you know, I said I'm just gonna teach them to walk with me and sure enough I did and mm-hmm. and they do.
1: Yeah, but, we call that we call that uh ambitiously lazy though. So you've got lots of things that you accomplish, but it's because you don't wanna do it with tools. Is yeah. that who is that? Is that is that Benji in the background?
4: Who no, is that? that one actually is, is Skilo. I stepped outside because the, the groomer is here right now actually, and uh Okay. He's gonna come right. inside in a minute, want to check so I was gonna stepped out here to try to write this check and there's a dogs outside too because the dogs when anybody comes in they just go crazy. But, oh,
1: well that's okay. They they want their spa day too. The groomers there but um,
4: right. well but anyway, well, so that's myth number 1 is that you that's that great. your horse would never you know would never come to you and you would never be able to catch your horse if you start right. And that's that's my whole thing till this day you know, seven, eight years later, is you start with relationship first. And when you start with relationship first, by the horse's choice, not by you taking it, you've got to let the horse have the choice to say, I trust you to be my leader. And when that happens, everything changes. And, and that's... That's That's the problem with most people who say their horses, they would never see them again because the horse doesn't want to be there. The horse doesn't enjoy being there. And there's been some studies done. In fact, I've sent you one one time uh, about that subject and the fact that, that, you know, 10, 15 years later when somebody's been away from a horse and comes back and they had you know they they had begun right with the relationship first and the horse looked to them as a good and trusting person the horse absolutely remembers that and they can pick up like it was yesterday right where mm-hmm. they were and the same is true with somebody who's not nice to the horse and and so my 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 mantra my my number one tips these days are start with that relationship first. Give the horse the choice. You cannot take it from the horse. You've got to let the horse have the choice. And when the horse makes that choice, in whatever form you do it, you know, you you can do it and join up, or I call join up without a a round It's kind of like what Marty was doing out with the shy boy in the wild, Uh, except, as I said, I'm lazy. So we call no agenda time where Kathleen and I just sit down in the paddock with a new horse, as we did with our new Mustangs, with Saffron, and sat there for 35 days in the evenings, just frankly having a little glass of wine and talking about the day and ignoring the horse completely until that horse decided. And 35 days later, she decided on her own that she wanted him. And she flipped the switch, and I've never... I, you know, I've seen it work in various forms with join-up and this and that with all the horses, but there's always increments involved, you know. I've never seen anybody just completely flip a switch like this, and she did. And, I mean, she was all of a sudden all over me, and I couldn't touch her one minute, and the next minute I could do anything I wanted. I could rub her, play with her ears, pick up her feet, Anything. It was just is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and like I said before, I'm lazy, so this is this is a good message mm-hmm. to me because I just ignore her for thirty five days and then she mm-hmm. she does it on her own, and mm-hmm. her baby is you know we did we doctor Millard her baby, you know and did it whole, whole thing, and she was in my lap the second day. Uh, and I had my finger in her mouth the first about four hours after she was born, and you know So and she's she's great, but we have let her deal with all of her crazy training. You know, like tarps, using tarps. We just wadded one up, stuck it in the middle of the round pen, and it's a pass through. The round pen is set up so that horses use it as a way to get to the barn and whatnot. And baby, and mouse is this way too, thanks to Monty. <laughs> The mouse will drag that car up all the way. And they, they get it and play with it together and pull on it. Ah. You know, It's like playing tug-of-war and whatnot. It's the funniest thing to watch. And so neither one of them will ever have any fears about... Carps or anything
1: they just plastic and, bags and all that, yeah, that is a phobia yeah. with horses that's true that's a great training, and I like how you said that you use the the round pen as a pass through so that you can do a catch pen if you need to if um that's some smart thinking too. Was it designed that way, or is this your thinking? no,
4: it was just the only place it could go because we're we are in the hills, so to speak, and we mm-hmm. you know our pastures are straight up and down almost, and
1: mm-hmm. which
4: is great for the horses because have you ever watched a horse come down a hill? Yeah, It's, like, it's like a steer. You know, they yeah. you go this way and that way. So they get about four times the movement coming down a hill than they ever would on the same piece of land flat. Uh-huh. And movement, movement, movement is what it's all about for us, and that's the way we put out the hay to keep them moving and and that sort of thing. And then, of course, with the pasture, we, the water pond is on one far end, and the best eating is on the other far end, about a half a mile away, and... So it's you know, just working. Do you still
1: do you use that gator to feed uh so Oh that they- yeah, yeah.
4: Do you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's and it's still living too. That's that's why <laughs> if I've ever had to say anything nice about a company, John Deere is it because it uh, that thing is still going and the service has been great on it and we we do the same thing same thing here, just in lesser quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh at least in the summertime it's lesser quantity. Uh, that we did on that video, the Paddock Par- Paradise video that's on the Soul of a Horse channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continue to put it out in little small piles as far away from the water as we can drive. Mm-hmm. And it um, we do about a bale a day for eight horses in the summertime. and In the wintertime, it will crank up to about four bales a day, which we're mm-hmm. beginning to ease that way now. But, yeah, we still they put it out little piles at a time because that keeps it keeps them moving. Moving, it yeah. Keep, very it keeps natural. that herd dynamic, you know, the musical hay piles going. Because That's
1: right.
4: It's always, hey, wait, wait a minute. If you're over there, I want it because there's something yeah. better in it. <laughs> Isn't
1: <laughs> and, that true? Isn't that true?
4: And, and, you know, it's funny how some of them have, you know, learned that the easiest way to do this is to lure them into pushing like Mariah does this all the time, pushing them up the hill. And as soon as they've all gotten on the line, on what we call the hay trail, then Mariah will circle back and go to the back end of the line and follow them up the hill so they'll leave her alone. (laughs) Very smart. (laughs) Very smart. Mouse is that way. Mouse is, of course, you know mouse, and mouse is extremely smart. Have you seen the the book trailer, by the way, on the the new book? uh,
1: I have, uh, yes. Born Wild, sequel to The the Soul of the Horse. And people should go on your website and see that, too. And we've got, there's lots of... Did you see that
4: shot of mouse in there?
1: I did, I did. We'll have to have you on again, too, to tell the whole story of mouse. Because that, for me, I know it was a chapter in your book, but it was was a great um, example, I think, of how people can... um, I'd love to have you back for a tip too, Joe. I think you're a great example of how people can start from uh, a little bit of knowledge and, and take a direction to help our horses and be with our horses. So um, if, if I can, I'd love to have you back. Are you available again?
4: I'd love to to talk to you anyway.
1: Oh, you're sweet. So I'm going to ask people to go to the soul of a horse, thesoulofahorse.com and see all your information there and get uh, get on your blog, get some of your books and and uh get to know uh Born Wild now just coming out and get to know Joe and Kathleen and their family and their mission and their cause. And Joe, um thank you for coming, thank you for being with us and uh we're going to have you back for that tip.
4: Well, I appreciate that, and I enjoyed being here
1: very much. So,
0: you know, I didn't realize we didn't get to talk to him too much about Benji, but we heard the dogs barking in the background. I didn't realize that the Benji films, one, had, uh, that did that well. I, you know, I was kind of a, a kid, you know, almost when they yeah. started coming out. And uh, I also didn't ri- realize that Aunt B from, uh from Andy Griffith was in the first one. I didn't remember that.
1: I didn't either. Is that right, Glenn?
0: Yeah, she was in the first one.
1: Yep. Oh, I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> How fun. And B, what a great trivia. There, anybody
0: over uh, under 50 just didn't get that reference. but uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good, good point.
0: <laughs> Trust us, it's, it's an old reference. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's wonderful, though. It was a wonderful time. Wonderful time. Uh, here's a trivia, too. Did you know that Ron Howard, when he was 13, did a, a Lassie, actually a double Lassie episode with Monty Roberts? Really? Yeah. Speaking of Aunt B, right? Was Monty in a Lassie episode? He actually was producer of one and, and trained the cougar and the horses for it and everything. And I followed uh, Ron Howard around like a little puppy just watching everything he did. Of course, he was 13 and I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and he had Puppy hair. love.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. Isn't that funny? So you've actually Isn't met that- Ron Howard.
1: Yeah, he sort might of. not remember.
0: <laughs> sort of met Ron Howard. <laughs>
1: that's right. But he, he's worked with Monty, and his dad was wonderful. Uh, you know, this is that whole era of, that's what uh, Joe Camp comes out of, is that whole era of, wonderful theatrical motion pictures, the real stories with animals and people and, you know, and they were organically made, you know, they, they really. Yeah. They didn't have computer effects back then. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. And he really did train his dogs well. So that's, that's some background information on Joe Camp. Now, does Joe still have, uh, have Benji offspring? yeah he has what he does is he finds new benjis and he just told me last week that uh, the current benji is blind and not hearing so well but uh he he gets them fairly aged uh that he really does keep them in his home though and treats them just you know i think the benji he has right now is a rescue
0: well you know for those that don't know benji was kind of a i don't know he kind of looked like a i don't know what he looked like He was a mixed breed dog, but he was little. He was a little barky dog. (laughs) A
1: little barky dog, yeah. He's got a little lion face, you know, with the hair all poking out all sideways. And, yeah, he was adorable. You know, he was the opposite of
0: Lassie. Lassie was regal and sort of, (laughs) you know, all of that. And Benchy was almost the opposite of Lassie that way. Really
1: true. She was elegant, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's funny. funny. Well all right well let's get on with the show here, and next up is uh what what I'm finding out is everybody's favorite is horsemanship bail bag
1: oh really that's good to hear. yeah, here we have another question about crossing water, crossing streams, and things like that so um this one came from this one came from our forum on the Equus Online University, and people were out just uh, Oh, summer trail riding, and it says that uh, they had a great time this year. Hope you can help me with this problem. My horse doesn't refuse to cross the streams or water, but he sure can jump them. She has in all caps. How can I train him to walk? None through of us water?
0: have ever had that experience. <laughs> I
1: know. Surprise! I've You're had horses
0: do that with there's... the carriage, and that isn't much fun either.
1: Oh, that's true. That that would be raucous. Um, train them through water instead of jumping to leap it. Yeah, or leaping. It so most places the water is no more than an ankle deep, isn't that funny? It doesn't seem he doesn't seem to be afraid of it, but sort of dainty about getting his feet wet. Uh, Another annoying development is that the other horses in our group are starting to do the same thing after us on the trail, isn't that true? It's contagious, isn't it? Um, yeah, so this is a universal problem, Um, everybody. Everybody's going to encounter this at one point or another, even if those horses you know, go through water all the time. You go through a dry spell. They haven't seen water for a little bit. And for some reason, they think it's like maybe 10 feet deep. I don't know why. You, know. It, you can see the bottom of the rocks, but they, they worry about that. So um, the first thing you want to do, this is, reminds me of what Dad always says, is when you're working with a remedial problem, When you're doing your work right, repetition is your greatest friend, and when you're doing your work wrong, repetition is your greatest enemy, right? So we don't want to ingrain those habits and let them uh, get carried away with this jumping or or even refusing to cross. So the first thing we always ask people to do is to ground school their horse. Um, They need to be listening to you about stopping, backing up, and moving forward. When you get those things uh, so that they're really tuned for you on the ground, then go create yourself a a water obstacle if you don't have one around, you know, get your hose out. But if you've got water puddles or something uh, that you can maneuver around then uh, at home, then you're set. So what you wanna do is stay safe while you're approaching the water, but be prepared in case your horse has a tendency to jump. You want to know where he's going to jump. So you want to keep him in your eye at all times, but you don't want to be turned around looking at him either because that uh, we know in their vernacular means go away. So it's a good idea to walk your horse through the water a lot of times and then increase the size of the obstacle, then go back and forth through it too. Again, repeating are a good um, issue and not repeating letting them get away with something all the time too. Um, It's also, it's an interesting thing too if you try to take your horse and back him through uh, because that means he really has to be listening to you. So if you get really good at going forward, see if you can back him through that obstacle as well. So now once you have your horse... Walking and backing through the water, and, and you're confident with that. The next step, if you want to do a phase in between getting up in the saddle, is to pony your horse from another horse. Um, get a nice, quiet gelding that they've been around before, preferably. And, um, and just ask your horse to, you know, the, the, the gelding will be just really disappointed if that horse starts fussing around, and they, get, they start schooling on them themselves, and you don't have to do much up there. So that's a nice in-between if you're a little worried about jumping or feeling dangerous about being in the saddle. And then once you've accomplished uh, that, you can get up in the saddle and make sure that you ask him to do it correctly every time you go through the water. Um, again, you can start with just a little bit and grow your obstacle so that uh, you incrementally, which is the most important thing to remember, train him to, uh, to do what you're asking him to do. Be safe.
0: Very good. Well, thank you, Debbie. And now it is time for...
1: What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on
0: here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged in... Hart Prairie College, October 25. Crofton Manor, October 30. November 1, he'll be at the Grange in Okehampton, UK. November 30 through uh, December 1, now he takes a plane and he goes to Brazil. And he's going to be just outside of Sao Paulo. And also on the weekend of December 7-8, he's going to be doing a horse training workshop in Sao Paulo. Uh, all of these you can find on montyroberts.com on his calendar page. And uh, some special things that will take require probably that you want to pick up the phone is on January 25, 2014 now, we have a night of inspiration with Monty at uh, Flag is Up Farms. Monty and Pat put on a big shebang. We do join up and barbecues, and it's really fun. And January 26th, we're going to do a more in-depth workshop called Life Lessons. We just added that, Glenn. It's it's a personal development workshop, and it's based on the Life Lessons from the original autobiography, The Man Who Listens to Horses. So the phone number to call is 805-688-6288. Put a one in front of it if you're international. That's 1-805-688-6288.
0: So what do we do, nope. put uh, people who aren't broke yet in a round pen and uh, do join <laughs> up? Is that what we're trying to accomplish? Teenagers. Yeah, yeah,
1: we <laughs> take teenagers, we put little halters on them.
0: <laughs> hey, if you can figure that one out, you're going to make millions. Forget horses. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's that's right. right. They're next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Throw the worst thing out the window if you figure that one out. I
1: tell you, this is, this is a, such a fun... It's like a girlfriend's weekend or, you know, if you're training on your husband, bring him. You know, that's okay, too. But <laughs> Life lessons. It is a lot of fun, though. And what we did was we, took, we gleaned little messages that uh, Dad didn't even think of when he was re- writing the book, The Man Who Listens, because it's his autobiography. So he just you know, purged uh, information on the paper. But when we went back and looked at it, there's actually a little resonating lesson in each one. So I think people are gonna have fun. It's our first. So people uh, will have to tell us whether it's fun.
0: And that'll be at your beautiful farm there in California as well?
1: It's a great escape anyway, isn't it? Yes, right in there in Central California, just outside of Santa Barbara County. It's beautiful. And uh, we do the Barbecue up on the evening icebreaker overlooking the eighty acres. You know that hasn't changed since nineteen sixty six. The really, the zoning is so hard in Santa Barbara. Yeah, right. Get around. You're not allowed <laughs> to change anything. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's practically as nature intended. Um, so it, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful location, and uh I, you know you add that it's wine country, and you have a, a wonderful. You're
0: evening. not too far from the ocean either, are you?
1: No, we're about 25 minutes. Uh, actually, the ocean is only 15 minutes. We're about 25 minutes from Santa Barbara. So what you do is you slip through uh, the Gaviota Pass there from the valley that we live in, and you're right on top of the ocean. This beautiful area is called Hollister Ranch. You know, the Hollister surfing kind of came out of all that area. It, they call it the, the Mediterranean of, of Southern California because it's just a beautiful um feel like that too with the tile roofs and it's a beautiful area people should come visit
0: would you ever want to live anywhere outside of California
1: I don't know why I would
0: no <laughs> lower taxes maybe that'd be the only reason
1: well that. I like that about Florida you're right Glenn you, you got yeah
0: smart. we don't have state taxes here which is one of the reasons we moved to Florida actually
1: yes uh, it's a good idea there's only a few states in the United States I know that do that and California is not, not
0: one, one of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> by far <laughs> So uh, I'd like to tell everybody the details about today's sure. show. So if you go to horsemanshipradio.com, you can find links and photos and more information about our guests. Please do support them as, as well. Please support our, our sponsors. As always, we love your feedback. And if you'll follow us on Facebook at uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts and Twitter at twitter.com Forward slash Monty underscore Roberts. Um, I want to again thank our sponsors. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too at Horse Radio Network, www.horseradio.network.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.